becomes like a fleeting memory. Whatever you grab just turns to dust. Like eye contact with a stranger straight around the corner. It's a dream that you to make real. Well, you ready for this? I think so. To the shores. To the Here shores. We go. <laughs> We're kind of switching up right now. We're having a little uh, Delweeny scotch. Mm, it's delicious. It too. is delicious. Delicious. <laughs> Delweeny. Delicious. <laughs> we should be on a. That's pretty good. Yeah. 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 We had the thought of because we. So anytime I explain to somebody what this podcast is, I just say, it's this. like my best friend and I, we just drink whiskey and talk, <laughs> <laughs> but we drink the same whiskey all the time. And I yeah. thought, well, what if we like incorporated whiskey reviews oh. into the podcast? And then I thought, I don't want to do that. I just want to talk about other stuff. Yeah, totally. I'm like, I'm like, oh, I don't have to think about that too much. Yeah. <laughs> all the other stuff's just really shallow. <laughs> yeah. So bullet rye, it is every week. Uh-huh. If they want to sponsor us, we're here. That's right. <laughs> I'd like that. That would be fun. Yeah. We'll have to reach out to them. <laughs> so we got a, we got a quite of a, a, um, kind of a deep well to kind of plunge into here. I don't know if we want to, if you want to read your, I wouldn't mind just you reading the whole thing. Read the whole thing. Yeah. I don't know if that'd be too much or. Yeah. I think it's a little too much. So okay. I'll just set it up and then let's try to talk through it. Okay. So last week, my <clears throat> friend and I went to New Orleans on a very fast trip. We stayed one night. We flew in in the morning and flew back out the next day. And um, we went because he had tickets to go see Marcus Mumford play in New Orleans and thought it'd be fun to see him there and, you know, go do Bourbon Street and stuff like that afterwards. So we went and had a great time and um, I was really moved by his music. So Marcus Mumford is the lead singer um, of the band Mumford and Sons. And he just recently put out a solo record. And so he's touring that record and, and that's what he was playing at the show. And I was really moved by it. And I came home and I was listening to some of that, that record and noticed this deep theme of forgiveness in the lyrics um, and struggling with that. I was really moved by the lyrics and I just sat down and, and sort of wrote maybe what will be the first draft of some kind of essay. And I, I read it to you before the podcast because I feel like there's, I've been just thinking a lot about it and, um, there's some good things we could talk about in, in all of that. Mm -hmm. I'm not quite sure how to enter it. Yeah. Um, I think one thing, uh, maybe hitting the bullet points of one theme I I saw uh, as you were going through it was this idea of action. Yeah. And I think that's, something that was, uh, you know, whether you feel it or whether you do it or pretend, but there's something about the action and then the results. Yeah. You the results of it kind of tell you whether it's, uh, or speak of its truth or it's falsehood or that you might be off just a little bit, or mm-hmm. there's something that kind of, as you act it out, you start to refine. Yeah. <clears throat> so he has a lyric, in one of the songs that says, I forgive you now as if saying the words will help me know how, please help me know how. Mm. And I thought forgiveness is interesting. Forgiveness is like love 
in that it's a, both a feeling and a choice. <clears throat> and maybe you can help me with that because I, feeling doesn't seem like the right thing. It seems more applicable to um, love maybe, but forgiveness is like that. And that's why that lyric is, is moving. He says, I forgive you now as if saying the words will help me know how, mm. you know, you don't really know how to forgive. It's almost something that you do on faith. Mm. And generally it starts by saying, I forgive you. Mm -hmm. And you, and you have some hope that if I say it, then maybe it will become true. And there's almost no other way to encounter it. Mm -hmm. um, it's like, if you need to forgive someone, you're holding on to that and you're not forgiving them because you don't feel forgiving. You feel hurt. You feel vindictive. You feel, um, you know, let's say betrayed and you just want to, you want to shrink away from it. But or exact it, vengeance. Yeah. Or exact vengeance. And all of that is something like a prison. It's like you're, mm -hmm. you're locked inside the own, your own poison and you, you feel like you want out. Like, I don't want to feel this way anymore. And it's like, I think in general, you will reach a point where you realize, I, well, I need to forgive that person mm. for whatever it is that they've done. But you don't want to because you, maybe you feel like they don't deserve it or um, maybe you don't feel forgiving. And so, you know, we teach kids this all the time. And you need to, you know, you've hit your sister. You need to say you're sorry. And he doesn't feel sorry. He doesn't want to say it, but he says it. And say to his, to the sister, well, you need to say, I forgive you. She just, she's hurting. She doesn't want to say, I forgive you. But we tell them to tell each other that even though it's somehow disingenuous. And I think the reason we do that is because there is an action that creates the desired feeling or the desired state. It's like, you don't know how to forgive, but you learn by saying it, by acting it out, by pretending and then you're met with actual forgiveness hmm. and it's like it's the same it's that way with love too you know sometimes um you fall in love unexpectedly it's not a choice it, the feeling comes first um well let me back up for a second so this is this is the thought that entered me here hold on um forgiveness is like love Forgiveness, like love, is both a feeling and a choice, and neither the feeling or the choice must come first. The feeling emerges from the choice, or a choice can be inspired by a feeling. Hmm. So with, it's like that with love. I think, you know, different cultures do arranged marriages, for mm -hmm. example. And so how could you fall in love with that person? You, you lead with the choice. You say, I'm going to love you. And those marriages aren't any less successful than the Western style. We're going to fall in love and then get married. Um, because the love backfills the choice, hmm. the feeling backfills <clears throat> the choice. Mm -hmm. And the, and the opposite is true too, which is if you fall in love, but then you don't choose to be in love. Yeah. You don't choose to name it. You don't mm -hmm. choose to act on it. You don't choose to protect it. Well, the love passes it mm -hmm. fades. So you need both. And you have to choose to enter, you know, via the way that you can control, I guess, and then act that out. Yeah. There's definitely 
a part where you learn, like even like the feeling part, you know, when you're, you're having your kids act it out, there's mm-hmm. something that, you know, even though there's a little bit of a disingenuousness in it, they actually might feel that sort of, that, that sort of forgiveness, you know, um, like what it means to be forgiven and what it means to forgive. Totally. Because even if it's dis- disingenuous, I think the kid knows, well, my brother submitted himself to saying something he didn't want to say. He's, he's humbling himself to that. Well, that's something mm-hmm. we can go on that. Yeah. You know, and it does have the, the effect of generally of like neutralizing the argument or the, the disagreement, mm-hmm. you know, they don't mean it cause they don't know how to mean it. Yeah. You know, you're teaching what forgiveness is and it's not something that you can simply teach by having them read a book on forgiveness. You have to encounter it. And sometimes like the, uh, forgiveness is, is also mixed up in other ideas too. Like one distinction, we, I think I might've mentioned this a few, a few years ago, but <clears throat> difference between forgiveness and trust, like you can forgive somebody, but you don't, you don't trust them. Like mm-hmm. that's like, that's okay. But sometimes people mix those up as, as both as the same thing, mm-hmm. forgiveness. And then, well, I don't trust them. How can I forgive them? Well, those are two different things. You know, one is trust is something you earn and you build, but forgiveness is something that you can kind of somewhat give freely because it affects you more than necessarily the other person. <laughs> if you don't forgive somebody, you're kind of like you were talking about, you build a prison for mm-hmm. yourself. Right. Um, but trusting somebody is something that is something that you do over time and yeah. people build trust and demolish trust. <laughs> yeah. Whatever act necessitated the forgiveness might have destroyed the trust and the trust has to be rebuilt. Whereas forgiveness is something that you, you, you extend mm-hmm. and then encounter. I mean, trust is similar. I can see the, the similarities, but yeah. Well, I mean, forgiveness is something that cause like even the person that you're, that you're, you're forgiving. They don't even have to necessarily even ask for forgiveness. Like you can forgive somebody and, and it actually helps you. I guess I think a prison is the best way to explain it. It's you're sort of in a prison because you are, you are truly wronged and you can choose to forgive that person, but also like protect yourself and Mm. kind of say, I forgive you but I have a boundary I need to kind of hold right mm-hmm. now because I don't trust you. Um, you know, and I think there's that part where, cause if you don't trust, if you don't forgive somebody, you know, then you can, there's a lot of things. I think there's, a, it kind of opens the door for a lot of other, um, actions that can kind of almost re, uh, uh, reinforce, reinforce that unforgiveness. And I, the main thing that comes to my mind is like sort of a vengeance or you don't deserve this or something like that. Um, that mm-hmm. can kind of like right. seep into your, your being that can actually affect a lot of your other areas where it's actually everybody else's fault. Something we were talking about earlier, you know, that, that when you don't recognize, I mean, that's also whenever you need to ask for forgiveness too. It's like when you don't recognize that, that you're also at fault, it's like there's these things that just happen to us psychologically that, you know, you'd like to say like, well, I'm immune to those things, but 
you're human. You're not immune to, mm-hmm. you're not outside the, the realm of asking for forgiveness and also giving forgiveness. Right. Know? Yeah, there's a point that you said at the beginning, something about action. I think, okay, so forgiveness and love, they aren't, um, they aren't static states. Mm-hmm. It isn't that I've either forgiven you or I haven't, or that I either love you or, or I haven't. They are, you know that they are true because you see them operating relationally in the world. Mm. Like if I say, if you've injured me, let's say reputationally, Mm -hmm. and I forgive you for that, but then every time I see you, I have anger and murder in my heart. Mm -hmm. That's going to be evident to you and evident to me. And so it's like, well, okay, have I forgiven you? No. So what would it mean to forgive you? And you have to wrestle with that. And you don't know because, you know, maybe your trust is broken. Maybe it's broken beyond repair. You know, maybe it irreparably changes our relationship, but forgiveness can still be had and, and, and acted out. And the same is true of love. If I say that I love you and yet every time I see you, I turn and look away and walk on by, you know, well, those are just empty words. That's not mm-hmm. love. So they aren't static states. They are, they are more like actions, a way of acting in the world. And I think truth is like that too. Hmm. It's not a set of facts. It's a, it's a set of, it's not a set of facts or a set of observations. It's more like a way of, of behaving in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's relational. All of this is relational forgiveness, love, truth. It it is relational because, because it must be acted out in order to be real. It's so interesting. I mean, even kind of like what you and I do here on the podcast, you know, we talk about a lot of ideas and thoughts and, and which are, which are great. And I think that's something that helps us to navigate the world and to kind of put a, um, kind of words and frame things. But really the, what the most important thing is, is how we act in the world, like what we do. And, you know, you kind of, you kind of have some people that kind of come at things where it's like, there's an idea of these are facts. Mm-hmm. This is the way things are. And well, that's great. But like, how is that acted out in the world? Yeah. You know, you can come up with the greatest utopian philosophy and it sounds great. Mm-hmm. And you can try to act that out in the world, but you're, there's something you're encountering something that's contrary to your utopian vision. What is that? Are you accounting for that in your, in your idea of how things should be? And the fact is, is if people acted this way, you know, everything would be fine. If everybody got the vaccine, then we would, COVID would go away. You know, there's, there's these things that we, we, we say into the world, but actually, you know what? Viruses are very complicated, <laughs> you know, and, and our understanding of them is, is, is very minuscule for the most part, as, as far as we've come in science in general around these areas is really big. But, 
at the same time, it's like when we act in the world, we start to see how things might not be according to what we think they are. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like in love, you know, you think about, Oh, I love you. And then, well, I don't see that you're not demonstrating that to me, Mm -hmm. you know, and there, there could be multiple reasons why it's like one is maybe one person has an unrealistic expectation of you, you know, Mm -hmm. the other is, is no, you need to, demonstrate that in some way in some way that's meaningful or, for them you or know? it could be false mm-hmm. you know i yeah this one might be complicated to explain but i think it happens often um in relationships between parents and children hmm. you know it's like the parent will say i love you and yet make the child's life miserable and at some point the child will have to ask themselves the tough question wait do you love me though? Hmm. I hear you say that. I hear you insist on that, but it seems like when you say it, it's more important to you to, that you believe that you love me Mm -hmm. than that. I don't feel loved at all. You know, I mean, I've seen that play out and you have to confront the horrifying possibility that it might not be true. Well, again, that's so complicated. You see this in abusive relationships as well as good relationships with kids. You know, there's this idea of parents, you know, try to act in the best interest of their kids and they don't understand it till their twenties or thirties. Like, Oh, that's why you did that. That makes sense to me. And now I understand that you, I understand how that was an act of love and not just making my life shitty, (laughs) you know? And, And the other side of it is, is that, you know, I think a kid really expects and trust his, their parents for, you know, you know, some truly good inherent reasons. And mm-hmm. when that trust is betrayed and they learn later on that, no, you were just being really selfish, maybe not all the time, but in, in much of your life and mm-hmm. you didn't really love me, you know? And, yeah. and there's some abusive relationships that are like that. And so I think that's, I think that's the part of action when we act in the world, we get feedback and we have to kind of navigate. So the same thing with forgiveness is mm-hmm. as we're walking through the world is, you know, pretty much everybody is going to do you wrong at some point, you know, like whenever I turned the, uh, the toner up on the mic, <laughs> I think you forgave <laughs> me for my that. ears. <laughs> I'd forgotten about that. So yeah, yeah. apparently I did. Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> you know, but there's, it doesn't matter who you're with. You're going to encounter those things that, yeah you know, you are truly wronged or, you know, well, maybe love is an action because, and and maybe this is the same of forgiveness, but maybe it is an action because if I say that I love you, what does that mean? Hmm. Like, what does you mean? Because you're constantly updating, Mm -hmm. you know, every day. Yeah. So to love you is to continue to interact with you as you, change as you unfold like you is not a static thing either Mm. i think um jordan peterson says it's something like you are more like a community across time Mm. like you're you're if you're 20 years old it's like your 20 year old self and your 80 year old self are going to be very different Mm -hmm. and so to love yourself actually also means to love the 80 year old who you will become and if you don't love that 80 year old, then you won't become him. You know, it's like you, you, um, spend all of your time doing heroin, mm-hmm. for example, you know, 
that eight year old is going to be much worse off if, if you even make it there. So, um, to love someone else is a constant action. <laughs> I can just see someone or me at 44 going, all right, my future self, you're going to, you're going to thank me for this one. <laughs> <laughs> and then in four years from now, I'll be like, you know what, Michael 44, Thanks, dude. I, I appreciate that. That was, that was, uh, you did me a right there. Not so much in that place, but yeah, right there you right, did. Right. Uh, yeah, no, it, it's interesting. There's this, cause I, I don't know if I, to bounce on to another one of the ideas you brought up, but, uh, the idea of, I think of when you were explain, explaining this to me earlier, the idea of whenever Jesus encounters this one guy who wants him to heal his, I think daughter or something like that. And, and basically Jesus asks him if he believes and he says, I believe help me with my unbelief. And I think there's something in that, that explains a lot to, hmm. you know, when you love somebody, it, there is this part of you that says, I love you, but I need help loving you. Well, it's like the lyric in the Marcus Mumford song. Hmm. Help me know how, Yeah, please help me know how mm-hmm. it's the same for love as it is for the forgiveness that he's talking about. But it's interesting because it's a, it's almost a confession. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm. I know, I know what this is. I know that it is good. And I felt it before and I've, I've participated in this, but I'm not there right now. Mm. I love that. Well, it requires your participation. It mm. requires you to ask how, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Mm. That's great. I love that word participant participatory. Mm-hmm. I think love is that. And I think the truth is also participatory rather than sort of some static proposition. It's more like a relationship. Well, there's so many things that fit into this category too. Uh, you know, one would be even business kind of fits in these same kind of, kind of categories mm-hmm. is it's great to have an idea and you can pencil it out on paper, but at some point you need to act it into existence, speak mm-hmm. it into existence. Right. I mean, even the writing it down and sort of like doing a P and L or whatever, it's like, that's kind of part of it. But you know, how many things like that you start and think about, but don't put action to, Yeah. you know, I think that's the part that you, you validate an idea by acting on it. And basically any other ideas that you don't act on it, they're just, they're not worthy. And, and again, we have so many thoughts that go through our heads and things we don't even understand that we're thinking. But I think that's part of like, almost like when you, when you start acting things out, there's a part that sort of activates you in, in the idea of exploring and pursuing it. Right. I mean, cause you see this like on, on an opposite scale or opposite side is where, you know, the bitter old man, you know, somebody who has just closed themselves off to the world and everybody is a, a nuisance and annoyance and they just end up being a, a very lonely person <clears throat> because they're not willing to act into the world mm-hmm. and they have a, maybe have some sort of concept or idea that how the world is and right. it's dumb and it's stupid. It's like, well, you kind of end up in a very lonely place whenever you have those ideas. And, you know, I think you were talking about like, you know, communism or, Mao and Lenin and Stalin and stuff like that. I don't know if you want to. Yeah. Let me see if I can recall that, that thought. Um, well, let me read this, this paragraph. So this little sort of outline of an essay that I wrote, um, 
<clears throat> if you act out what you wish to be true, it will become true. The truth, like love and forgiveness, is also not static. It is not a set of facts. It's an action. And because it's an action, it is relational. This is why we describe truth as a person. This is why there will always be a God-shaped God hole wherever you seek to explain him away using a set of facts or observations. The moment you've uttered the words, some new part of creation unfolds, and your explanation is no longer sufficient. It is as if God responds. That thought is a follow-on to the idea that if you speak the words, I say to you, I forgive you, what happens is actual forgiveness meets you. It's like you've created the forgiveness. Yeah. And this is the same with love. You know, if I, if I say that I love you, actual love seems to emerge. It's well, like, <laughs> there's also accountability because once mm. you, once you speak that out, yeah, it's like you're accountable for that, that speech also. And so that's, that's a creative act, I think. Mm -hmm. To engage in forgiveness, to engage in love, is a creative act. So I'll finish this paragraph. We are participants in the very creation of the world, and it's happening now as we speak, as we make choices and give names to the wellspring of love and desire and inspirations that leap out of the heart. We are participating in the creation of the world, and it is good. In the end, love will win. Whatever is evil and spiteful and poisonous will perish, for it is self-destructive and cannot last. What is good, what is loving, is by its very nature self-perpetuating, because it is creative and cannot die. It is ultimately God himself, and we act him out every day, moving the world ever more toward him. So that's another sort of key point from this thought process, which is that whatever is good is creative and thereby rejuvenates the world. It's self-perpetuating. Mm -hmm. Whatever isn't good dies. I mean, it's, it's almost like the concept of fitness in uh, evolution. Hmm. Whatever is evil isn't fit. You oh, know? And it might take a while. So mm -hmm. that's why I was mentioning like the Soviet Union, mm -hmm. um, like uh, Stalin and Lenin or Mao and communist China. Like the Soviet Union collapsed, you know, we didn't go nuke it. It literally fell apart. It couldn't sustain itself. And that's in some sense, you can know that it wasn't good because it didn't last. Mm -hmm. But I think the reason it didn't last is because whatever isn't good, whatever isn't love, whatever isn't true. And those two things, love and truth, I think are very tightly coupled. I heard somebody say, what is it? Truth something like love is the handmaiden of truth. Hmm. I'll have to look that up. Um, yeah. So whatever isn't that dies, but whatever is that creates something. It's like an analogy I wrote somewhere else in here is like a man declares his love for a woman and then generations of offspring are created. And those offspring go out into the world and do things and make things. It's like, what, what's the consequence of the declaration of love? Well, is it the propagation of the species? Probably. Hmm. Is it the instantiation of civilization? 
the structures of society. Like those are the, these are like the high, like these are the consequences of a choice that somebody made to say, I love you. And, and a lineage progresses. Hmm. Whereas if I say, I hate you and I never want to see you or speak to you again, it's like something is only destroyed. Nothing is created. Hmm. So that dies. So as you're, as you're talking about all these different things, I see three different areas because I think there's the, there's this gray area that you can kind of like, it's sort of, huh, okay, how does that work? And I think that's the most important area because that's the part that you're sort of working out what, what these things mean. Like I forgive you, man, do I forgive you? I don't know if I forgive you. I, I do forgive you. And I'm going to say that, but part of me doesn't want to forgive you, but you continue to choose and act that out. It's like forgiveness manifests itself. So there's this gray area that's sort of like, I think that we can kind of get stuck in and it, it's somewhat muddled, but I think that's the important part. Cause that's the part of where we're working. We're working these ideas out. Right. But then when you go to the extremes on both sides, I think that's where you see more of the fruit of what we're talking about. It's like when, yeah. when it's acted out or not acted out, mm-hmm. you see the results of that. Like, you know, again, uh, I'm actually reading the, the gulag right now and, and just, the Google, Gulag Archipelago. Gulag Archipelago, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just didn't want to say the word. You I, didn't. <laughs> I didn't. I really didn't. It's one of those ones that I just will never, it doesn't matter how many times you tell me. But you see something that's acted out over you know, decades that just continues to lead to ruin and death and you know, complete rottenness of a culture. Yeah. Uh, because who's, who's the, who's the bad person? Oh, it's, this is the bad person. Once we get rid of them. Okay. That next level down is the mm-hmm. bad person. And you see this you know, death and destruction that follows that way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think there's something with, you know, where a lot of times new countries are founded. There's these ideals that people are moving towards. And many times, you know, at the beginning, it's the same thing with love. At the beginning, you move towards this ideal of love. And at some point, you're going to hit these roadblocks where that's really challenged. But whenever you continue to pursue in truth and love and that kind of, that kind of sort of gray area, it's a struggle. There's a sort of manifestation of something that's lasting mm-hmm. and more. I mean, it's the same thing with your finances, too. You know, you can you can chase all the get get rich quick schemes you can you know but there's something about being able to to save and to invest and to be smart and think long term that has some uh, that has more uh staying power than just continually just throwing your money at the next <laughs> crypto that comes out <laughs> with a monkey on it. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's almost as if you learned that lesson the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> what? No, I, I'm not that dumb. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing, but you're also, but the thing you also have to do is you do have to risk, you know, and sometimes you don't make good decisions, you know, and there's certain things that are new and you have no experience with, I mean, yeah. think of like the internet or something like that. You know, everyone thought it was dumb at the time. Like, why would I write an email to somebody mm-hmm. where I could just send it in the mail? Right. Like that sounds ridiculous, you know? Yeah. So there's, there are new things that come in to our, um, understanding that we might not be familiar with. Mm. Well, as you use that word new, it makes me think about 
like one of the reasons we enjoy love is because it is constantly new. Mm. And if it stops being new, you would say something like it's dying. It's like whatever love is, it's constantly replenishing itself. It's constantly surprising you, constantly delighting you. You know, maybe not constant in like the every second or every day, but it's, it, it jumps up. It's like, oh, wow, I feel loved, you know, or, yeah. oh, wow, I have these, these feelings for you. And maybe it's been 20 years or 60 years and you're still somewhere like your response to it is something like surprise hmm. because it's new just like you're new every day and I'm new every day. And so our love is new too. And that's the, that's the constant generative nature of love. Hmm. Well, I think it's interesting too, because like there's, there's, uh, there's different aspects of love also. It's, there's the, and again, this is not downgrading any of these. It's, it's just, I think it's just natural. It's sort of like, you know, the beginning of a friendship, the beginning of love or, you know, courting somebody, there's this new and exciting thing and you're expressing something and it's, you're being, um, it's being mirrored back to you and mm -hmm. it's really exciting and good. And then there's some hurdle that comes and it's questioned. Do you really love this person? Yeah. You know, or will you really forgive this person or accept their forgiveness? And I think there's something in that, that, it's easier to forgive maybe a stranger that bumps into you like, Oh, Hey, Oh, sorry. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's cool. You don't even think anything of it, you know, but you're also like, Oh man, yeah. Thanks for saying it. Cause if they didn't say anything, they'd be like asshole. Right. You right. know, <laughs> so there's aspects of that, that are kind of easy in in new relationships that actually become more difficult as you mature and grow because yeah. you might not get the same like short term relief that you would um, in a more like immature relationship, you know, mm -hmm. or our new relationship yeah, because it actually costs more because there's more history and there's more, there's more on the line. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And I'm trying to think a bit about why that is. There's this great clip of Christopher Walken talking <laughs> about words and how important they are and doing it in his, you know, really awesome voice. But he makes the point that do the voice. <laughs> I can't. He says something like, you know, you might ask someone at a dinner table to pass the salt, but if you've been married for 40 years and you say pass the salt, you're actually saying, I love you or fuck you hmm. or I don't want to have anything to do with you. Or, you know, it's like you, when you know someone, mm -hmm. the words stop becoming simple, a simple utility and they're pregnant with so much other meaning that references so many other past things yeah. and future things, mm -hmm. future hopes. And so, yeah, when you know someone well, when you, and that's why we, we, we talk about vulnerability in relationships, I think, mm -hmm. because I have to be vulnerable to let you know me because once you know me, everything is meaningful mm. and you can hurt me mm. because it isn't just a, a bump up against the shoulder. It's like a bump up against the shoulder that contains 
30 years of history. Yeah. <laughs> Thousands of other interactions, uh-huh. yeah. you know? Uh-huh. And so when you say sorry about that, it's like, well, are you saying only sorry about that? Or are you also saying sorry about that other time that you were this way or that other time or, mm-hmm. you know, so true. I wonder if it, let me kind of go here and see if this actually connects, but I think of like that 80, 20 rule of, as far as, you know, to get really good at something, you know, there's a, it's easy to get to like 80%, but that next 20% almost takes a lifetime because like the, it's incremental that getting better at that. And I think of like a relationship, you know, I've been married for 20 years and I think that part of actually improving that takes so much more work. Yeah. You know, uh, because it's, because you've, you've, you've already sort of attained a certain level and you can, and we know that if you don't keep improving something, it doesn't like it just stays static. It actually digresses, mm-hmm. digresses or degresses. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that is probably one of the hardest things. I think it's one of the most beautiful things when you see, you know, two 80 year olds still holding hands, you know, it's, it's, there's yeah. something in that, that speaks volumes, you know, or that, you know, you see the, uh, I'm just going to I'm going to put it this way, but it also happens the other way too. But where, you know, the wife is sort of nagging at the husband and the husband's like, yes, yes, wife, yes, wife. Mm-hmm. You're just like, what's going on here? Like, you know, and again, it's probably, it could be either one of them that kind of maybe is at fault or yeah. both of them are at fault or whatever it might be. It doesn't matter. Um, or the controlling husband that the wife is just always trying to please him, you know, and yeah, silenced and dismissed mm-hmm. or, yeah. Yeah. It's like at some point that, that love got stunted and it, it actually is not love. It's, it's a, it's an abuse of some sort Mm -hmm. almost in that sense. It does seem like if you, if you are in a relationship and you are not continually experiencing, you know, forgiveness and pursuing that, it's not that you be, you, you stay in a static state of wherever you were at. <laughs> it's like, it almost starts <laughs> to like <laughs> spiral down or, yeah. or continue to grow. Yeah. I think some people like, I, I think some people, that's whenever they sort of stop with love is like whenever it's no longer the exponential sort of, <clears throat> milestones are you're experiencing these milestones at a rapid rate. You know, at some point those milestones are, are going to be more things you have to actually work on and it might take years. Hmm. This is kind of a side thought and this might be a bit of a tangent or transition. I don't know, but do it. I was thinking about like, how do you know what something is? And thinking specifically about like structures that take more than, let's say, a, a, a lifetime to complete. So you could mm. say the pyramids or a lot of the cathedrals in Europe. It's like they would take hundreds of years to build. So the people that started building them would never see them, which is a sort of a mind blowing fact. Mm. You know, how do you, I don't think we think much in those terms anymore. Like, how do you, engage in something that you will never see the completion of. How are you motivated to do that? How can you think about that even? But I think about like, you know, 
you look and you see a cathedral right now. Like I'm thinking about the one I visited in Prague uh, a few years ago. It's gloriously beautiful building. And you look at it and I, I looked at it and was just in awe, like thinking, how could anyone possibly design this and write coherent plans for it mm-hmm. and then execute the plans and it actually worked and it's still here. It's crazy. But as that thing was being built over the course of a hundred or 200 years or whatever it was, you could look at that construction site. And at some point there was not a cathedral there. And at some point there is a cathedral there. And it's like the, the, the paradox of the heap. It's like, when does a, hmm. when does a, a, a grain, a pile of grains of sand become a heap? Hmm. Whatever the definition of that is, you can't change it by removing a single grain. There's no exact point. And so if you look at the cathedral halfway done, you say, is that a cathedral? And you say, no, it's not. But if, but it, but it is becoming one. Mm. And maybe love is like that. It's like, do I love you? I'm working on it. Hmm. Or you even know, like young love is like, there's you're, no, you're infatuated. <laughs> you know, we have like different levels or ways we explain, explain that. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I kind of cut you off. No, that's okay. <laughs> I also got distracted. I decided to get a, a nice cube and pour a whiskey. <laughs> nice. Do you want one? Uh, sure. This Yeti really, there's like zero melting. Dude. That's crazy. Sponsored by Yeti. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I get it. A Yeti. <laughs> I was like, where's Chewbacca fit into this? <laughs> I don't know what sound a Yeti makes. <laughs> I think you did it. That I seemed right. Did. Yeah. Uh, that's the truth. Um, yeah. Like, well, okay. So I think I was thinking about that uh, one the other day when I was talking to you about like, truth as an action and not as a set of facts. Yeah. And I think the example I was trying to use is, you know, if I, like an, an observable fact might be like, we're sitting in the yard and I say, I pointed a tree and I say, that's a tree. That's <laughs> pretty objective. Mm-hmm. But then if I hand you a seed and I say, that's a tree, you go, no, it's not. Or if we sit down at my picnic table and I say, this is a tree, you're like, no, you know, and there isn't any way to stop the progression of those things. Like you mm-hmm. can't freeze it and say, this is a tree and will always be a tree. Mm-hmm. You know, the building of a building is like that. And maybe it stops progressing and it simply ha- like if you built the cathedral and then you abandoned it, it would cease to be a cathedral. Hmm. First of all, because it's not being used in a cathedral, just like any building, what it is is dependent on its use. So you could say, well, it's not a cathedral anymore. It's an abandoned building. And then it's going to stop being that because nature's going to take its course and it's going to fall down. And so what something is, is always um, in the process of becoming mm-hmm. something else like the butterfly hmm. or it's like Ian McGilchrist saying there are no things. There are more like processes and patterns. 
And maybe love is just a love and forgiveness or just like everything else in that sense. What is it? Well, it's becoming, it's unfolding. Is there a plan, you know, like with a building? I think the answer to that probably is yes. And it's something like, like the answer to that is something like what religion is trying to Mm. get at, Mm -hmm. you know, what is the plan for love? Because you could say, well, what is love? Love is the young couple kissing on the park bench, holding hands on the beach. Mm-hmm. You could say love is marriage, but having kids, then you would say old, having kids. What, yeah. And then how Grand does kids. that love propagate and how mm-hmm. far does it propagate? And what's the ultimate propagation of that love? Mm-hmm. Like what, what is the love wanting to become? And it's something like, I want to know you completely hmm. omniscience. That's, that's what was running through my head is, is it's what's your time horizon. Yeah. You know, what's your time, <clears throat> time preference. And I think that's, that also whatever your time preference or horizon is, it also depends on what you build. Because again, if you're just after the, the feeling of love or the, the moment of erotic, you know, feeling of, sexual encounter or whatever it might be. It's, yeah. it's like, it's like well, that's going to be over. I can just, you know, <laughs> you know, the morning or whatever, you know, that, yeah. that there has to be something that's more than that. If your time horizon is just those one night stands or, uh, you're always going to be seeking that fleeting pleasure. And then when you think about a cathedral that's built over 200 years, why, why did they do that? You know, and there was a certain idea of like, we're building a place of worship. And again, it's like, there's, there's a lot of other things that kind of go into this, but I think in its fundamentals, there's, there was an idea of a place of worship, you know, something to bring people together to worship God in some form or fashion. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're, if your idea of love is only, well, <clears throat> isn't that what you do in, a romantic relationship too. Mm. You build a place of worship. Mm. It's like, (laughs) maybe this is crude, but it's like, it's called the master bedroom, you know, (laughs) or or just the house in and of itself. Mm. You know, you fall in love with somebody. What do you do? It's like you, well, you want to create a place for that love, Mm. a a place to encounter it, a place to do it, to Mm. do the love, you know, (laughs) also to do it, you know, (laughs) but it's, that's like worship. Yeah. And so what does that look like on a longer time horizon? Mm-hmm. Well, it's something more like a th- cathedral. This is a place to do love that will house generations of participants. That's interesting. Cause there's also in this, in the same idea, and you almost can see this politically is that, that it's not just about pleasure. It's also about, it's also about pain and suffering too, but in a, in a Mm -hmm. good way, because when you build something, it's, it takes hard work. It's some, there's moments of, of glory and, and satisfaction, but at the same time, there's a lot of, also a lot of banging your fingers with hammers and, (laughs) you know, (laughs) putting together a Ikea bed the wrong way and then having to reassemble it again, you know? Uh, well, that's interesting. I mean, 
it is partly about pleasure because love is pleasurable. Mm -hmm. But how long would you like to feel the pleasure for? Mm -hmm. And if the answer is like as long as possible, well, you're going to have to do some things to allow that to happen, Mm. which is, you know, maybe it's like you, you need to build a house or you need to, maybe you need to name it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just something I was thinking about when thinking about how forgiveness and love are both a choice and a feeling. And if you fall in love and you don't name it, I think I already said this earlier, Mm -hmm. you don't name it. And what does it mean to name it? It's like, well, maybe it's, I propose marriage. Mm. It's, I put protection around this. I want this for as long as possible, Mm. but that requires sacrifice, right? Mm -hmm. Because it can't be a marriage if I say, well, I I name it and then I betray the name Mm -hmm. and I keep dating other people. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not a marriage then. Mm -hmm. Or I name it and I don't protect the marriage (laughs) and I say, I'm going to go live in Japan for eight years because I've always wanted to do that. And why don't you just stay here? Mm -hmm. It's like, well, that's not a marriage exactly either. Um, cause you abandoned it. And so you're going to sacrifice things mm-hmm. that you might otherwise have done. And you, maybe you don't even want to do those things, but you are sacrificing in order to extend the pleasure of that love for as long as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's hard. There's, I think it's, it, it's something that we can all, we all see and it's just being able to extrapolate that. And there's a, you know, again, I think the part of you talked about earlier, like sort of the trust in the faith part is that whether you're working out or whether you have a job or whatever it is, we see this in our daily lives. Like it, it teaches us and tells us that when you learn something at some point, you're going to come to a crossroads and you're going to have to push through that. And then you, you find another growth growth spurt mm-hmm. and then you you hit sort of a wall and you have to work through things and then you hit another growth spurt and it seems like that's sort of a pattern that happens and if you're if you're someone who's building for the long haul haul it's 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 something that you see that as sort of okay hey we're at a crossroads right now it's and this is this is kind of part of it this is mm. this is the way this is the way life works but I think some, some of it in our culture right now is sort of like, if you hit a crossroads, it's sort of like, it's hard. Yeah. Well, I need to go, I need to go to find something that has, I can experience that, that newness. Yeah. And it's like, we're seeking and after a little while, that newness starts to kind of like has a, has a diminishing return. And I mean, it's just like, like a drug, you know, it's like it, it, at first you get high off of one, you know, one hit <laughs> and then it takes a whole joint and then it takes, you know, a whole, you know, a stronger, you know, maybe some hash or, or, you know, you start kind of like, because there's like a diminishing return to mm-hmm. that sort of seeking of pleasure and joy. You think that's true of everything? Pretty much. Yeah, I think so. It's like, Oh, well, this just goes back to my hypothesis that everything is relational. Hmm. Like we humans think of things, or maybe we can only somehow think of things in terms of relativity. So like the example of Rockefeller, who was the richest man maybe that ever lived, but he didn't have access to refrigeration. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, would you switch places with him? If you could have all the money, but it couldn't buy you things like air conditioning <laughs> or a refrigerator, <laughs> you couldn't uh-huh. preserve food. You know, it's like, we, it's hard to think about that. Mm-hmm. It's hard to realize that in a lot of ways, we are all richer than anyone who's ever lived. It's hard to see that. Um, and experiences are relative too. So trying to get to drive to, toward your point, which is as you do something enough, um, like learning a new skill, learning to play the piano, let's say you, you work really hard at it. It's hard and it's grueling. Mm-hmm. And then so suddenly something clicks and it's a revelation and it's like super exciting. It's like, mm massive dopamine hit Mm -hmm. and you love it and you play it. And then, but as we get to know things, they become incorporated and often we'll say something like, well, it's it's in your muscle memory, Mm. which I actually heard recently is a a fallacy. There's no such thing as muscle memory. It's more like it moves from your right hemisphere, which is, is loosely dedicated to encountering the unknown into your left hemisphere, which is obsessed with categorization. Mm. And so it builds all these little category machines and then you don't actually have to encounter them as new and all of their nuances and you understand them. You can just go play something Mm -hmm. and then you don't get that dopamine hit anymore because you don't feel like you're doing something revelatory because it's not revelatory. Mm. It's just is what it is. You know it. And so it's that way perhaps chemically with drugs, but it's also that way with experiences. So, you know, adrenaline junkies are trying to find, figure out how to push things further. And that can be really good because you can, you know, you can, um, go from the first powered flight in 1911 to landing on the moon in 1969, mm-hmm. you know, um, which is crazy. So 58 years. And then, um, you know, or progress the sport of rock climbing from pulling yourself up a rock with a rope like in 60 days. days. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think the first time they Mm -hmm. scaled, um, uh, Yosemite's, um, what's the big wall, the dome rock or not half dome El Capitan. Yeah. Yeah. First time they did that, it took like two or three months Mm -hmm. and you know, a few years ago, Alex Honnold did it free solo with no ropes in four, four and a half hours. I think he's gone back and done it quicker now. Oh, wow. You know, but it's like, you're trying to push the envelope because that's where the interesting stuff is. Mm. And so the risk is you will, you injure yourself or kill yourself. Um, perhaps the risk in love as you push toward that envelope is you're betrayed or let down or disappointed. Mm. Um, but the benefit is you progress something Mm. and you go from a childhood crush to generating. It's like, I went to a family reunion recently and there's all these people around. It's like, well, (laughs) my grandparents, fell in love and did something about it. And now look at all of this. What is this? This is partly pathological and messed up, but partly full of love and joy. And it's like, this is propagating through the decades and something great is built. Yeah. Hmm. I love that. 
it's like almost like it would almost be fun to come like be able to kind of look back in a hundred years and just or look forward into a hundred years and see like your kids, kids, kids and where they're at, what they're doing. And yeah, know. if you could, uh-huh. I think about that a lot with my, like my grandfather, if mm. he could see me now, mm. what would he think? Yeah. I thought about that when I was at that family reunion, if he could see the family reunion, hmm. but you know, I would imagine he would celebrate it hmm. be like, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. You all went on to do things and have more kids and, and you chose to gather. Yeah. And you gathered yeah, basically right. under my name. Right. Totally. Which is fascinating. It's, it's sort of like, you know, that's the only reason why you gathered was because of his name him and his wife, you know, like their umbrellas, why you gathered. Yeah. Like that's just fascinating to me. Right. Hmm. But again, that's like, it's, you see this, you see this in so many things, even in having kids, because it's a lot of work and it's really hard. You're like, why would you do that? <laughs> and I think a lot of people today are sort of in that same mindset of why would I bring somebody into this horrible world? Yeah. And we've talked about this many times about how much better it is today than it has ever been in all of history in all times. Right. Yeah. If there was, a, if you could be outside of time and observe all of history and say, where would you like to have kids? It's like <laughs> unanimous vote for now. Uh-huh. And it's, <clears throat> it's, but the thing is, is there's not a hope for the future. We don't have, we are, our time horizon is so, so small and so limiting that we don't see like, no, I want to bring somebody into this world and I want the, I want to encourage them to make a difference, mm-hmm. to do something that is profound in this world. You know, whether it is to serve the best cup of coffee to somebody and make them make their day yeah. or to, you know, build rockets that take us to Mars or, or beyond, you know, um, or, you know, bring fusion into the world where energy is no, is not even a, a thought for us, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, there's all these things that if you don't, I think that's why you said this earlier is just like, I think that's why as we've seen the death of God more and more that we, our time horizon continues to get smaller and smaller. We, we can't see past today we can't see past tomorrow or into the future or generations because our, our time horizons. And I think that's kind of what's built into many religions is this idea of you'll be judged for what you've done. And it's, and it's, and it's not, that doesn't necessarily mean in a bad way, but also in a good way. Like what, what did you, how did you leave the world? Like what impact did you have? Like that was in a lot of our, consciousness and our subconscious too early. It was like, it's like, I'm responsible for something. Mm. I'm responsible for how I leave the world. Am I going to leave a positive impact or a negative impact? But it has nothing to do with me. It's what I, what I'm going to leave behind. But you do hear it in like the idea of legacy. I think you do hear it in that, that language, you know, what is my legacy? Yeah. But as I'm, as I'm hearing you say all that, I'm thinking, I feel like our Western idea of legacy is, is is, um, far too limited to explain what's at stake here. You don't just leave behind legacy. You, you leave behind 
an altered world. Yeah. Um, and you now have the opportunity. Maybe this is what the people sort of like, you know, <clears throat> the people who say, I don't want to bring a child into this terrible world. It's like, maybe they're thinking, I don't want to alter the world in the way that I am. <clears throat> you know, I've heard, heard all this stuff about climate change and our carbon footprint and uh, the coming apocalypse and um, Armageddon. You know, it's mm -hmm. like you're, you're admitting that we alter the world. What you're not allowing for, though, is that you have just as much power and capability to alter the world for better mm. as you do for worse. And if the world is in danger, the only way to save it is to have children. Hmm. Because if it's in danger, it's far too complicated for you to solve in your generation. Hmm. So there, and there has to be people there once you're gone in order to keep working on the problem. Because, you know... The dolphins aren't going to do it <laughs> or the elephants or the chimps. Mm -hmm. It's like, we need people. So you should be having, if you're worried about the world, you should be having children. Um, and, and I want to, this ties into the other thing that I thought about talking about tonight. Mm -hmm. um, some a little sort of something else that I wrote down and maybe I'll just read that and we'll leave it, leave it there. But I don't want to cut you off. No, no, you're good. Okay. Um, so I, I started with this question, what do you make of all the troubles? Because the world is full of trouble. Your life is full of trouble. Your relationships are full of trouble, especially if they've been long ones. Your kids are full of trouble. Your job is full of trouble. Okay. What do you make of the troubles? Because maybe that the troubles are there for you to make something of. And maybe that's your divine opportunity. Maybe if you took that opportunity seriously, you would make the world better in a way that it couldn't otherwise possibly be without your attention. Uniquely better in a way only you can make it. And if that's true, then you have a moral obligation to do so. Denying to do so is like choosing to make things worse or denying opportunity to the others who come after you. In some way, our opportunities are intertwined. I like it. <laughs> well, cheers. Cheers. To love. To love. To forgiveness. And long time horizons. And long time horizons. All right. <laughs> cheers. Love you all. Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening.